Time for Fan Mail Friday. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger, and I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. We'll be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off right. If you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, this isn't a great place to start. Most of our content is much more in-depth and longer format. So check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of body language, nonverbal communication, attraction, negotiation, networking, and everything else we teach here at The Art of Charm. We'll send all of this to your inbox if you text CHARMED, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. All right, let's cut to it. Our first question of the week. Hi, Jordan. I'm in a relationship with this girl, and she's great. She's fun. She's funny. She sets boundaries. She leaves me alone to do my hobbies and supports them. She thinks I'm amazing, and she's attractive. She's very non-needy, and she's happy. However, she used to be an alcoholic and is an Alcoholics Anonymous and has almost finished her first year. I'm not sure if I have an issue with this. It makes me uneasy, but I can't figure out why. I don't drink much myself and hate bars and clubs. The fact that she's an AA means she's getting therapy. She's identified a problem in her life and is getting it fixed. She's often expressed and has shown that she has a growth mentality. She shows her faults and wants to improve herself. Yet I'm hung up on her being an alcoholic. She's getting therapy for it and is doing fantastically. And I know from listening to the podcast that most everyone either is seeing a therapist or ought to see a therapist. I guess my worry is that what if she relapses? Or I feel I can get another girl just as great as her, but without the past of an alcoholic and being an AA, which sounds selfish on my part. I guess also from friends I've told, they've said to stay away since she must have an addictive personality and therefore... That will be a problem in our relationship, but it hasn't been. She's not addicted to me at all, and she eats healthy and exercises regularly. Should I care that she's an AA or that she was an alcoholic? I mean, I've got a few skeletons in my closet too, you know. Thanks for the advice. Sincerely, Zephy. Hey, Zephy, this is an interesting one because I, I'm i going to have a controversial opinion here and say this might be a good thing more than it is a bad thing because in the list of things that can be wrong with a partner – this really isn't very high. I mean, she seems like she's got a lot of it together in other ways. She's taking care of the problem. You're worried about her because you love her. That part's totally normal. And you have to worry, you have less to worry about, I guess I should say, when it comes to this because she's handling it. It takes a big person and speaks a lot to her character that she's going to AA, that she's sticking with it, that she's getting therapy for this, she's doing well with that. And look, there's no real stigma that should be attached to getting problems in your life handled. It's a little bit of a flag, I guess, in some ways, if you read into it. It's only really a problem, though, if it's out of control. And your worry, yes, if she relapses, that's a worry. That's a thing that can happen. And you're worried about her again because you love her. But, you know, I will say there's a lot of things that surprise us about our significant others that come with no warning. And this, you've already got a framework for it. She's already handling it. You might even be able to get some advice on how to help her along in the process, what to do if she does relapse. There's a lot of things that are knowns here. And I think that makes up for what is actually really scary for us in relationships, which is often the unknowns. So I I would say kudos to her and kudos to you for not being overly judgmental about it. I think it's actually a good thing. I know that some people are going to disagree on that, but I I, like on the scale of things that can go wrong in relationships, something that's actively being handled and stable just doesn't rank very high on the list. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for the great show. I've learned a ton and it's greatly improved my life. Keep it up. 
I have a scenario that I don't know if you or your listeners have experienced and would like your insight. Here's the scoop. I'm a software developer at a good company that is known locally to our area. I have a few people in my network that complain about their jobs or have been in the same position for many years. I truly care about these people and have attempted to influence them to come work where I'm working because I think they could be in a place with higher salary, potential for growth, and work in a highly collaborative, team-oriented culture. I use positivity in my pitch to them and bring up their pain points in their current position and how a move to a new job would have great value for them. I see in some of them a potential that their current employers don't see or aren't able to leverage to make those people grow in their careers. So what happens next is something I would never have expected. Here's what went down with three of these candidates. The first one got an interview but really didn't put in any effort. This one was on me because he didn't want to move and was okay with the same job out of school that he's already had for 10 years. The second complained about the place he was working. We offered him an opportunity to interview, but it took him three weeks and said it wasn't the right time and there was more coming for him. And this person has been at the same job for about seven years. Lastly, the most frustrating candidate was my prize horse. I brought him on site. He got an interview. Everyone loved him. And he got an offer that was better than where he was working. And I spent a total of three hours on the phone with him and he turns the offer down. He thinks there's something better for him at his current company. So... Are there certain types or personality types that make them hesitant to take a risk and change jobs? Could I be doing something wrong in my pitch? What do you think causes someone to not take opportunities even though they have an offer sitting right in front of them? It's hard to see high-quality people not take opportunities that are right in front of them. This is a bad analogy, but it's like seeing someone in an abusive relationship just stick with it and it pains you to see them. This won't stop me from getting high-quality people, but it's a morale buster to say the least. Thanks, confused and frustrated. Oh man, this is super frustrating. Even re- even just hearing this and reading this is frustrating. I feel your pain, man. Look, these people are largely stuck in their comfort zone. I mean, it is possible that, oh, I had a better offer coming at my own company, but chances are he's just doing that thing where he's deluding himself willingly and the boss is letting him do it or dangling that carrot for him so that he stays. Don't bother with this. Look, I love helping people. I am I totally understand why you're doing this. These are your friends. You you've known them forever, but you got to make them earn it, man. You've got to make them earn it. You can take a horse to water, you can't make them drink. And in this case, you're going to spend a lot of your social capital and professional reputation taking these horses to water and then they can turn around and embarrass you. Make them earn it. You're doing all the work in each of these situations. That's the one commonality that I noticed here is that you're the one doing the work above and that's the problem. They don't value it. So they're not gonna pull the trigger because you brought them on site. They didn't have to arrange that themselves. You prepared them for the interview, walked them through it. They showed up, sure, but did they really show up? Well, the first guy didn't, he was mailing it in. The second guy uh, made a bunch of excuses like a you know typical, I, I hate to say loser, but it is kind of a loser mindset to be so complacent in something that you complain about all the time that you're afraid to take a step. I, I get it. The fear is there, but man, you you just can't shepherd these people through this stuff. They've got to slog through it on their own. If they work for it and they ask you for help, that's different. Right now, you're just trying to drag. It's like children. You're dragging them by the hand and sitting behind them while they do their homework. It's just not a sustainable thing. You're lucky they didn't get the job. They might have blown it, and then that would have been even worse. Hi, Jordan. Heard an email you read on Fan Mail Friday from a deployed service member, and you advised him on what to do to maintain the open conversation in a relationship even while half a world away. 
I know you like concrete takeaways, so a great technique I've seen is for a couple to pick up a book or a TV show and read or watch up to a certain point by the time they talk next. It gives them something to talk about and creates a shared experience. You're doing great work. Thanks, Pat. Hey, good one. You know, another one I have that's similar is to actually watch a movie together on Skype, if possible. I know some deployed folks don't have solid internet, but I know that a lot actually do. And I find streaming some Netflix or whatever at the same time while on a headset and chatting about what's happening is actually pretty fun, especially if you get a really terrible movie or one you've already seen a few times, maybe even with that person, where you're really not paying attention to the plot and it turns into kind of a half-conversation half pay attention to the movie, those are fun. And it's it's just like sitting next to someone on the couch while staring at a screen. It's not as good as being there in person and having a face-to-face conversation, but I'll tell you, man, you can really lose yourself in that. So if you find yourself separated from your significant other, try that dual streaming Skype headset chat thing, and I, I think you'll really dig it. Now, on a separate note, I just wanna sort of plug in a little note here. I got an email from somebody, and I get this occasionally. I'd say monthly, I get one of these. It was somebody who was really offended that my emails are supposedly fake. Look, these are not fake. I batch upwards of 300 to 500 emails at one time, and those are the ones that I don't delegate or answer at a different time or in the moment. There's a lot of effort going into this, and I write every single one. Now look, the end may be a little snippet. There might be some recurring pieces in there that I use in other emails, but the email is real. I've read your email. So I apologize if anyone felt like I just blew them off. I assure you, I am very real and I'm very imperfect, especially when it comes to getting through all of my email. I blur through it so that I can get back to other things that serve all of you at once, such as reading books for the show, vetting show guests, recording good stuff for you. It's not an excuse. It's merely that I would love a little empathy for the amount of effort that goes into this. And uh, you know, people often suggest that, oh, you, know, you should outsource that process. But I actually think that that is much worse. How would you like a reply from somebody who isn't even me because I'm too busy to talk to you? Which is less insulting? A direct but short reply from me or a couple lines longer from somebody in the Philippines who I've hired simply to deal with you because I feel like I'm above answering email. I personally don't see myself ever fully outsourcing the email. I'd rather be late and short than disingenuous. And I hope you can find it in yourself to understand that because I do sincerely love hearing from all of you. So again, my apologies to those of you who are disappointed or perhaps caught me at a bad time on a bad day on email number 455 or were simply expecting more when I couldn't give it. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Hello, Jordan. My question is about breaking up with friends or rejecting new friendships. I have no problems breaking up with or rejecting people in romantic circumstances, but sometimes I really don't know how to break off or prevent a friendship without resorting to coming up with a lie, which I don't like to do. Example one, I run singles events and one of the attendees emailed me to meet up for coffee. I told him I don't date people from my events. Not really true, but it seemed reasonable. He said his intention was just to be friends. Truth is, I didn't really find him particularly interesting and really had no desire to befriend him. But can you just tell someone you don't think they're good friend material? Example two, I went on a date with someone who has body odor. I actually told him and he took it very well, although he thinks my sense of smell might be just too sensitive. He told me he showers, uses deodorant, etc., so I don't think there's anything he can do. Regardless, I've tried to hang out with him and it really bothers me. I even considered making up a quote-unquote jealous boyfriend to stop him from trying to make plans with me. Example three, I've been friends for years with someone whose negativity saps my energy. I know he won't change. How can I tell him I no longer have an interest in being friends? I'm a friendly and outgoing person, so I seem to often get stuck in these situations. 
I hope these three examples give you a good idea of my struggle. I think a whole show on the topic would be great. It can't just be me with this issue. Signed, I don't want to be a breakup bitch. Hey, breakup bitch. Look, find honest replies that aren't lies and still palatable. Sam Harris actually wrote a whole book about this called Lying, and we actually talked about this with him during his interview on AOC. We can link to that in the show notes here, but I'll tell you, each of the examples you gave, I feel would be best handled with the truth. In example number one, the guy you said is boring and you say, well, he wants to be friends. You can say, look, I, I don't have time. I just don't have time for this, sorry. And if he gets offended by that, that's, that's okay. I mean, you're not being terrible. You don't have time. It's not a priority for you and you don't like him, but you don't have to say, look, man, you're boring. That's offensive. It's okay to audit or edit the truth as long as it remains the truth. That was kind of the big, one of the big takeaways from Sam Harris. In example number two, your friend that you did meet on a date has body odor. You don't have to be attracted to somebody who smells. And look, he thinks your sense of smell is too sensitive. I highly doubt that. I think he probably just surrounds himself by other people who have the exact same problem that you do, and he doesn't smell his own B.O., Maybe he showers and uses deodorant. Maybe there is nothing he can do, but you know what? If it bothers you, you can just say, look, I, I just, I can't deal with, uh, with the smell, and I know it sounds a little shallow, but maybe I'm just sensitive to it. Accept his definition that you're too sensitive. That's fine. It's an opinion, but you should say the truth. There's no reason to lie. You're doing him a disservice, and you know, maybe if this starts costing him social relationships, he'll take the problem more seriously instead of just blowing you off. And in example number three, you have a friend who, after a few years, he got tired of that negative energy. You should tell him that. Look, he's already going to be annoyed if you don't want to hang out. But you don't have to say, you irritate me. I don't want to be friends. You can just say, I'm really trying to surround myself with positive people. And I find that a lot of times you seem like you have a lot of issues in your life that you need to handle. And I would love to help you with that. But sometimes it seems like you need to vent. But I don't want to do that in my friendships. It's a little bit cold. But I'll tell you, this is the kind of thing that spurs people to change. So if you care about these people, you don't have to care about them by being around them and dealing with them. You can care about them by showing them the respect of telling them the simple truth, which is that they smell, they're negative, and they're boring. <laughs> Sorry, but it is true. And honestly, the truth, it doesn't have to be comfortable for either of you. It just has to be the truth. And you'll find that you feel a lot better telling people what you really think, even if you have to tone it down a little. This last one is a tip from Patrick. Just thought you might enjoy this triple foreign language hack I just figured out. Change your Facebook's default language into whatever foreign language you're trying to learn. You'll get three benefits. First, all the Facebook buttons are in the foreign language. You already know them, so it's easy to learn the vocabulary. Second, when set up correctly, your friends' posts will display a translate this button. This will allow you to view both languages for side-by-side -side comparison. Lastly, Facebook time has suddenly become productive. It's helping you achieve a goal, and it's just annoying enough to make wasting the whole day on Facebook unappealing. I just applied it, and it's definitely going to help me keep up my Spanish skills, keep up my friendships, and be more productive. Hope you enjoy, and keep up the good work on the show. So I hope you all enjoyed that as usual. Don't forget, you can email us friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. And we got the AOC challenge, theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed. That's C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444. We'll take you step by step to become a better networker, better at making personal and professional connections, increase your personal social capital and your charisma, and it's for both guys and gals. So check that out at theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed. That's charmed. 
to 33444. Somebody asked me, Jason, why I say charm it. And I think it's because if I say charmed, sometimes people think I'm saying charm and there's no ED. So I think it is important. And also, I think this only works in the US. So I apologize if you're overseas or up north in Canada and it's not working. You can always go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge to make it work. All right. Quick shout out to Jeff O. His wife and his assistant are now fans of AOC. Jeff is an F-16 pilot who I like to imagine listens while chasing Soviet planes around an aircraft carrier someplace, although I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's probably minimal time. And also, yes, I know the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore, and so their planes probably don't fly. Are you listening in a strange land to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up and I'll shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 